Hey, Outcomes Rocket friends. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast once again. As a leader in healthcare, you have big ideas, great products, a story to tell, and are looking for ways to improve your reach and scale your business. However, there's one tiny problem. Healthcare is tough to navigate and the typical sales cycle is slow. That's why you should consider starting your own podcast as part of your sales and marketing strategy. At the Outcomes Rocket, I've been able to reach thousands of people every single month that I wouldn't have otherwise been able to reach if I had not started my podcast. Having this organic reach enables me to get the feedback necessary to create a podcast that delivers value that you are looking for. And the same thing goes if you start a podcast for what you could learn from your customers. The best thing about podcasting in healthcare is that we're currently at the ground level, meaning that the number of people in healthcare listening to podcasts is small but growing rapidly. I put together a free checklist for you to check out the steps on what it takes to create your own podcast. You could find that at outcomesrocket.health slash podcast. Check it out today and find a new way to leverage the sales, marketing, and outcomes of your business. That's outcomesrocket.health slash podcast. Welcome back once again to the Outcomes Rocket Podcast, where we chat with today's most successful and inspiring health leaders. Today, I have an outstanding guest for you today. His name is Ken Cahill. He's the CEO at Silver Cloud Health. Ken comes from an entrepreneurial background with experience in product and sales strategy, financial and channel management, while holding senior roles from a successful career covering HR software, e-commerce, telecom to banking ATM solutions. He's extremely passionate about how technology can be used to provide meaningful, positive impacts on people's lives. He's worked with a number of large multinational organizations such as Gateway, HP, and Dell in Europe, the US, and India. Ken's super passionate and knowledgeable in this space, and he is focused, hyper-focused in healthcare now with Silver Cloud Health. So it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast, Ken. So glad you could make it here to, to join us. Also, thank you for the uh, invitation to come on. A long-time uh, listener, first-time caller. Hey, <laughs> thank you so much. And, uh, and so what is it that got you into, into the medical sector to begin with, Ken? I think it was accidental uh, in a lot of ways. But from my perspective, the, uh, I met with some of the team behind Silver Cloud back in its very early days when it was still a, a research uh, project. And um, the, um, I was blown away by the team, the passion the team had, the, the approach they had taken to a very difficult topic, a very difficult situation in terms of what mental health kind of has been and the transformation it was beginning to take on in terms of destigmatizing and the taboo slowly being removed from it. I come from kind of what I would refer to, I've often referred to as a highly medicalized family an interesting cross-section of, of chronic diseases, uh, sort of genetic chronic diseases that have passed into my family. Uh, my mom was uh, and is uh, was a nurse, a uh, midwife and a pediatric nurse. So I've kind of grown up in that kind of healthcare background. That's super um, cool. Yeah, it is. That being said, my, my wife will often complain how the sympathy levels are quite low for any <laughs> uh, injury that she sustains compared to uh, the level of, I suppose, sympathy that that's, uh, we would have gotten when we were kids at home due to the fact of the exposure to uh, de-sort-of-sensitized. So meeting the team, it was very clear 
the approach they had taken was, was something that was quite new from what I had seen. And, you know, mental health is, there's such a significant economic and social need for it, for improving it. So that was, was really what got me interested in healthcare and, you know, seeing personal and family impacts by oh. mental health. I think there's very few people that would be around today that would, would admit not to being affected by and their close family members and friends being affected by mental health and in one way, shape or form. Yeah, I think that's so great, Ken. And recently we had a, a interview with a physician out, out West. Uh, he has, you know, he's an anesthesiology pain mm-hmm. physician and a big approach that he's taken with his pain patients is a mental health approach. So definitely the spillover effect is huge. As you and your team look to tackle this space, what is it that makes you guys different? I think the team makes us different. Uh, I'll be very honest. And, you know, the approach that they've had to what we're tackling, the approach that we've had to a very small thing, but we don't refer to the users on our platform as being patients. We would, unless we have to, for the customers to understand who we're talking about, but we will refer them to refer to them as clients. And the reason for that is we don't load on to in terms of stigma and also the fact that we need to treat them as being customers of, of what we offer. So we know they have alternatives. We know that they, you know, have alternatives in terms of healthcare, in terms of utilization, usage and all the rest of them. And we're competing with other parts of their lives in terms of you know, they can go and watch television, they can go on YouTube or Facebook or anything else like that. So as a result of that, we need to be cognizant that we need to give them an experience that is impactful, positive and engaging for them. So that's kind of some of the big parts. That's awesome. And, and so you guys are working with a highly specialized team. You're creating some very interesting solutions to tackle this problem of mental health. How would you say, and what would you say, a hot topic that needs to be on every medical leader's agenda today as it relates to mental health? I think fundamentally mental health is the reason that you and I and, and the listeners got up this morning. That is what it all boils down to. Mental health is the reason why we do or don't do anything in this life. Everything is behavioral related in some way, shape or form. I don't want to sort of wax lyrical on on statistics, but the CDC would estimate that one in four of the global population will have a diagnosable mental health disorder in any given year of their lives. So that's a couple of things. It's one in four of the population that is globally. So that's, you know, that's pulling out or ruling out things around, you know, economic conditions and other elements like that. And it's in any given year of somebody's life. So as a result of that, that's, that's very, very significant. We then, you then add in issues around chronic disease and the numbers then increase at an even more alarming rate. So something as inverted commas, as normalized as say diabetes care, diabetes, you're going to see the prevalence rates there increase to around 45% of people who have diabetes will also have uh, comorbid challenges around clinical levels of depression, anxiety, or stress, which is impacting their healthcare utilization, their medication adherence, their compliance, all those kind of key factors, which as management or executive level or, or other uh, within a health system, that's impacting how we deliver care, why we deliver care, and all the other elements that are there. And then you look at the cost multiplier, uh, reading a report that came out from Medicaid for delivery of a patient, memory serves me, it was around that was around nine and a half thousand dollars to deliver care to a patient with diabetes in a year. But if you brought in the comorbidity, which remember happens almost one and two times, about 45% of the time, if you brought in the comorbidity, you're looking at that cost multiplier, uh, bringing in that cost up to about thirty-six, dollars $37,000 a year. That's a huge increase, huge difference in terms of that. 
you then include things like cardiovascular disease, oncology, all these different elements. And I, you know, I grew up in, in a kind of family environment that kind of said, you know, a will is stronger than any medication. And whilst that's not backed in any scientific basis, of course not, there is an element to that in terms of the positivity of approach, the acceptance and, and sort of the adherence, but also the anxiety of communication with a clinician. The, you know, even something like diabetes, looking at things like sexual health, uh, the impact that that can have on, on, on the family and, and also things around guilt and shame, things around, you know, what are the long-term impacts of this disease and condition on my life? And that brings in issues around mortality and other things like that. And then also looking at, you know, for every one person who has a, has a chronic disease at the center, they're typically surrounded by up to six people who are severely affected by that. An example would be a wife with breast cancer and, you know, and the, the husband who's severely affected by that or other types of issues like that. So, again, mental health is such a huge component to unlocking chronic disease. Uh, I think it was Tom Insel said it before that you, mental health can have a bigger impact on somebody's health and a more significant impact on somebody's health than a thousand different sensors could. And I think mm-hmm. that's, that's, that's so very true. So that's the part of what I do and have been doing for nearly eight years that gets me excited is the impact that we're having on, on people's lives. And we see the impact and we see the feedback. We've delivered the platform now to around 180,000 patients since 2012, since we spun out of research. And I see some of the, the, the qualitative feedback, not just the quantitative. And it is just that. It is about pulling people back from the edge, saving people's lives, um, saving their marriage and all other elements like that. And that kind of, you mentioned in the intro, thank you for that. But that's quite different than banking software and HR software. (laughs) Huge. And you're making some really positive impact in the space, Ken, you and your your team. Tell us about the platform. Who uses it and what does it do? Yeah, certainly. Um, So what we have developed, uh, so we're a spin out from well over a decade of research. And that research was coming, was bringing together a number of kind of key opinion leaders and subject matter experts. And I suppose looking at the big question that was there from the research was looking at the challenges that are there around delivery of digital delivery of mental health and how I suppose effectively there are a number of barriers that, that limit the level of effectiveness that are there. And those barriers are around high levels of client or patient uh, dropout rates, low levels of client engagement, and limited levels of clinical improvement. So essentially, digital delivery for mental health hadn't worked up to that point and and still argue a lot of the time still isn't working in terms of of those kind of three criteria. So that was the overarching question behind and and, and sort of, I suppose, the research thesis behind SilverCloud. So what, what the team did was they developed a platform I was focused on those engagement pieces. So core to it was engagement and outcomes. And, you know, outcomes were the key part of measurable change, positive measurable change from the client's perspective. So the team built a platform which was focused on both the engagement and the outcomes perspective. And uh, we knew that if we could keep them engaged long enough and deliver the right content and supportive tools to them, we could help them in a, in a meaningful way and a material way. So to unfairly boil 14 years plus worth of research down, we built a platform, the team built a platform, which was this concept of SIPS, S-I-P-S, that was highly, a platform that's highly social, highly interactive, highly personalized, and highly supportive. So it's kind of four, the four pillar elements that the platform is built on. So from the patient's perspective, from the client's perspective, they get access to this online environment that is a essentially a digitization of what you would do within face-to-face therapy 
healthcare um, using text, infographics, audio quizzes, videos, you know, the, the typical uh, content that you see digitally delivered or, or delivered in an online environment, accessible on multiple devices like your tablet, your desktop, dedicated apps, also on, on kind of smartwatch devices, those kind of things. So you've got multiple different interaction and touch points with it. And essentially what it's designed to do is use um, core intervention style will be what's called cognitive behavioral therapy. And that is really focused on kind of the executive function of the brain, how we, how you, how I, how anyone else will, we take in uh, information, we process it, and we sort of, you know, we create a, almost an outcome or, or a reaction to it. And and often what we can do is we can we can take information in and often we can sort of more or less our brain will compute it and often we'll do it in the wrong way. So catastrophize thinking or or negative thinking styles or any of those kind of elements which can which can kind of spiral down in this sort of negative spiral in terms of how we take information in process it and then sort of react to it in terms of being our physical reactions or, or or how we react to it in greater parts of our lives so i as a, as a client will have access to the platform i could be introduced to it by you know my primary care physician you know, we see secondary care, specialist care like OBGYN, new and expectant mothers, all the way through to within healthcare organizations, them using it themselves for their own employees for physician burnout issues and, and other big issues like that. That's fascinating. Yeah, that you guys are even uh, helping providers with their physician burnout issues. Yeah, well, if if we look at it from the perspective of a lot of these large health systems will be self-insured, and also these are an employee population as well. So it's almost a double, again, a double impact in terms of that population group insofar as they have to pay for the healthcare costs of that group, but also they're getting impacted in productivity, absenteeism, presenteeism issues and challenges as well if they don't react. And also they're going to see a higher level of cost if they don't react in a timely way as well. So as a, a client, I access the platform over typically a, a kind of six to eight week period of time, anywhere from kind of 30 to 40 minutes per week. And uh, essentially, uh, I'm do- in doing so, learning kind of about those cognitive behavioral techniques to help me to sort of have and build that kind of toolkit in terms of how I, how I process the different kind of uh, parts of, of life. So we've built out on the platform, on that highly engaged platform, we've built out programs, about 30 programs, little over 30 programs across mental health like depression, anxiety, stress, all the way through to chronic disease programs, programs around uh, diabetes, cardiovascular disease, uh, pain management, COPD. And those programs are looking at the comorbid psychological uh, distressors and challenges that are there with that chronic disease as well. So the platform itself then integrates within the health system, within their electronic health record. It mirrors the care protocols. So it becomes not a tangent to care, it becomes something that gets very integrated. And that's one of the key steps that we have done. It becomes very integrated within the healthcare delivery. Not a poor cousin of, but a very credible yes. first port of call too. And you know, that's what we've over you know, we've over two hundred and ten organizations using the platform today across five countries. And um, we've overcome all these sort of challenges along the road of how we embed and how we kind of, you know, to borrow a, a salesforce.com expression, you know, that what they have done around customer success. So how do we make the healthcare organization really feel and be successful with using SilverCloud? So, you know, the mm-hmm. patient satisfaction scores, the outcomes, the acceptability, the usability of it, all those elements are, are all those boxes are being ticked. 
Uh, super interesting. Thank you for sharing that, Ken. Now, can you share with the listeners a time or a setback that you guys had and what you learned from it in this process? I think you're going to have multiple setbacks along the route, along the journey, like like with any part of any part of life. And and I suppose you yep. know there's an expression: a mechanic and his or her car, a cobbler and his or her shoes. So you know, being the CEO of the mental health company, I kind of have to uh, pretend to be whiter than white in terms of uh, my own mental health. But yes. I think following an entrepreneurial journey, it's difficult, it's challenging, and you know, that's some of the work that I'm trying to do in, in the background and the sideline as well is, is is sort of supporting a very heavily exposed thing that you're doing here. You're putting yourself out all the time, be it trying to raise funds and getting, you know, 99% of all the people you would talk to will reject you or almost reject you in some way, shape or form. So it's always a, always a challenging part. And I think for, you know, if I go back to that kind of positive feedback, I remember we had uh, hired a member of the team and, and uh they had agreed and accepted to come on board and then unfortunately decided not to join us. And, um, you know, that was uh, after a kind of lengthy recruitment process. And it was a shame. One of my colleagues, um, James, um, sent me over some of the, the quotations, some of the quotes, some of the feedback from the, the users of the platform mm-hmm. and some of the impact that we were having day in, day out. And that was kind of enough to kind of say, OK, brush yourself off and off you go. Yes. Um, and I'm sure we've had lots of challenges, much bigger and much greater than that. But that's always a standout moment that really made me understand that what we were doing was different, was different than what I had done before, that this was stepping into people's homes. This was impacting people, their families, their communities, their workplaces, and how we're being contacted now by cities, uh, by states, and even by countries who are looking to improve the mental health of their own country. Some are looking to provide something that is a, a safety net, a catch in terms of that interventional mental health around clinical and, and even you know more severe levels of depression, anxiety, and stress. And then other of these large organizations, large bodies of, of populations and swathes of people who are looking for um, the positive mental health side. So mm-hmm. things around resilience, coping skills, relationships in this sort of fast moving environment and world whereby we're constantly being connected, we're constantly being challenged, where our brains are on an awful lot more of the time than they probably were 20, 30, 40 years ago, maybe even 10 years ago. We're seeing a lot more people looking for an ability in a way to compartmentalize, wind down and indeed wind up at the start and at the end of a week. I think that's super fascinating, Ken, and appreciate you sharing that. It's tough. I mean, when you're in the process of hiring somebody, especially a critical role, you pour in a lot. And uh, to have had that person not respond and not take the role, I'm sure it was really tough. I've been through that myself and it's not fun. And it's wonderful that you have a, a team like you do, colleagues that are there to remind you of the purpose and you guys remind each other, you know, and, and, and a message to the listeners, like, don't forget about why you're doing what you're yeah. doing, especially in those tough times. Yeah, no, absolutely. And you can kind of become so close in on yourself uh, that you do forget what you are doing and why you're doing it. And I think often kind of the position that I have, maybe even the personality that I have as well, is I can often be too even a keel, too mm. not to swing low, swing high in terms of reaction, that you have to be a steady ship. And, and often what happens then is the positive maybe fly by or, or, or pass, overpass a little too often in terms of the progress. And it's only when you maybe talk to yourself or, or even other people who maybe I haven't spoken to in six, nine months, 12, whatever it might be, and they kind of are asking for an update or how are you guys doing? And you're kind of able to 
you know, talk about the numbers, the impact, the outcomes. So we're seeing on the platform now, on average across our N of 180,000 uh, users and clients, we're seeing about 81% will see a clinical improvement. It's huge. Which, yeah, which is just, for me, it's phenomenal. It's the, it it's is the, phenomenal. It's the be all and the end all of what we do. And uh, No, thank you. And it's, and it's congrats for the team. It's, it's that, but there's also the humbleness as well. So, you know, we're all... We'll all admit fully, the whole team, right the way across the organization, will admit that we, we know something, but we don't know everything and nowhere near it. And there's that humbleness of continued research. So we have about 20 different research trials running today in different parts of the world, here in the US and Europe, uh, the UK, and also in, in the likes of Colombia and Argentina. So there is that acceptance of, it's wonderful what you know so far, but don't forget that there's an awful lot more that you need to learn and and all that is there, but but it's often it's often forgotten that you need to also celebrate the wins as well. That's awesome, yeah. And and Ken, no doubt, you know, there's so much left for us to learn, especially in mental health. Up to this point, though, what would you say your proudest experience to date is in what you've been doing at Silver Cloud? I think the proudest has to be the numbers. So we have uh, a couple of large screens in the office, and you know, so we've offices in the UK, one in Dublin, Ireland, and. and which is uh, and one here in Boston. And we've large screens up in the office, which are essentially our dashboard, which you know cover things like you know how many users clients have come on. And then there's just one very large number, which is in, in, in terms of font size, I mean, one very large number on the screen, which is the number of uh, users that we deliver the platform to, uh, the number of, of clients so far. Just seeing that take over, seeing that go, and we've every time... It's gone over a, a, a sort of milestone number, if you will, be it 50,000, 75, 100, all the way through to 150,000. We try and mark the occasion, whether all the team will go out and we'll, we'll get lunch or, or even grab a beer. We try and stop, pause and reflect and kind of go, that's pretty cool. That's yeah. pretty, you know, and that's kind of one of the, that's for me is the, is the kind of the, the, the single proudest moment that I've ever had has been kind of always around that number, uh, showing that impact and and then seeing over time the the number growing and the pace that the number is coming on. So we'll we'll hit north of 280,000 clients or patients delivered by March of next year. So we're just accelerating off. Amazing. And, you know, one of my other colleagues, Karen, to rob a line from an interview that she did before, you know, medical school wasn't something for me, well done for anyone who has been, but I'm very proud by the number that we have in the organization. We've probably delivered more care in a shorter period of time than, than perhaps we could have if we all became trained as doctors, which is kind of kind of humbling. Um, it really is. Kudos to you guys. And, and folks, a couple notes here from Ken's share of those screens and in, in, his, in his offices in Boston and London and Ireland is that you've got to measure, you've got to have optics to know that you're moving in the right direction. And two, you got to celebrate those wins. When you get to that end point, celebrate it. Don't just pass over it and go to the next one. Yeah, no, it's very true. And Ken, you guys do such a great job of that. If you had right now, what's an exciting project that you're working on within Silver Cloud Health that you want to share? That's another part of it. It's humbling to see some of the projects working with some of the organizations that, not to be too dramatic, but the, the, some of the names of organizations that we're working with that I would have killed just to uh, a number of years ago just to get a chance to talk to them who have kind of approached us or looking to work with us on, on some really exciting things around be it AI or big data or digital delivery or sensor technology or whatever it might be, which is some of the stuff that makes me really excited. But in terms of projects to talk about, I think... It's going to sound boring and cliche, but for us, it's about scaling. It's about process development. It's about 
making the organization, you know, the, the, the old cliches, um, succession management, but it's about making the organization so big it doesn't it no longer resides in my head or or in other members of the team or in our leadership team's heads or anything else like that that silver cloud is bigger than all of us and that for me is something that is is very humbling that it has it's self-living it's it's it has its own heartbeat it has its own ability and that's part of the culture um so some of the projects that we that we do is is around the measurement as you mentioned around the measurement of impact that we have across the content we're delivering, the platform, the clinical delivery, and of course the kind of commercial impact and, and, and impact we have with the organizations. That's for me one of the biggest um, one of the biggest projects that we have is is really continuing that scale as we bring on more and more organizations or more users, is that kind of automation, that that sort of scale automation, but without losing the touch points and that kind of feeling of almost sort of white glove service that our, our organizations hopefully would say back to uh, anyone who asked them in terms of working with us. Yeah, that's pretty great and big reason to be excited about. Now, we're getting close to the end here, Ken. Mm-hmm. Uh, this part of the podcast, I've got four questions, lightning round style for you, followed by a book that you recommend to the listeners. We're going to do a little syllabus the 101 on Mental Health with Ken Cahill. So you ready for it? Absolutely. All right, let's do it. So what's the best way to improve mental health outcomes? I think if you distill and boil it down, what is an outcome? I think the outcomes have to be measurable and you can't argue with numbers. So having it measurable and making sure that it's going the right way. What's the biggest mistake or pitfall to avoid? I think the biggest pitfall to avoid is taking yourself too seriously and kind of being closed off from what's going on outside. It's a great message. How do you stay relevant as an organization despite constant change? I think the change, as you say, is constant. I think having that, that level of humbleness that you're not going to get it right every time, you put the best effort forward, and nobody has all the right answers, but humbleness to kind of ask the end user, the, the clients, the caregiver, the healthcare coordinator, and kind of be just open for that, that next little spark of genius that might come from a conversation rather than kind of being head down, stuck in the books, stuck behind the laptop or whatever it might be, kind of getting up and, uh, and getting out there and trying to evolve. Ken, that's such a great message. You know, I feel like a lot of us as healthcare leaders, we could get pretty stuck in our tracks and we could pass by a coffee roastery and, and we're not even going to smell the coffee. We got to smell the coffee and be open to those insights. Yeah, for sure. That's a really great message. Finally, what's the one area of focus that should drive everything in a healthcare organization? I think it's kind of, it's back to that feeling of treat a patient as a client or a customer, put them first. They have alternatives in terms of care. Don't think they haven't. They have alternatives in terms of usage. They have distractions in their lives. They're human and they have human behaviors. So if we were talking about retail, we'd be looking at how can we positively influence them. Um, I think within healthcare, we have to look at the same way as well. Awesome. What book would you recommend to the listeners as part of this syllabus? It's less about mental health, but perhaps there's elements, of, a lot of elements of, of, of positive mental health in it uh, and positive behaviors. It's the old classic. It's uh, Richard Branson's Losing My Virginity. I think it's just a <laughs> classic entrepreneur business, struggle, get beaten up, go back at it again, stay in the, in the boxing ring uh, type book that is... It's one that you can kind of pick up, read, and then read again in six months' time and, and still and love it even more every time you do. 
That's awesome. I had not heard of Richard's book. I'll definitely be adding it to my list, Ken, and listeners, you can too. Go to outcomesrocket.health slash silver cloud, where you'll be able to find the show notes, transcript to our talk, as well as links to Ken's company and all the things that we've discussed. Ken, here to the end, would love if you could just share a closing thought and then the best place where the listeners could get more information or follow you. I think closing thought for me has to be, you know, borrowing a slogan from from Nike. It's just do it and just keep on doing it um, in terms of, uh, of, of innovating, in terms of helping improve healthcare and healthcare delivery. Stay in the boxing ring as long as you can. I think they've got to be, uh, that's got to be my one. In terms of contacts, always happy to uh, to talk to anyone. Email address is uh, ken.cahill at subacloudhealth.com. And uh, thanks for the opportunity, Sal. Absolutely, Ken. And looking forward to seeing what you guys do here in the next year, getting that number to 280,000. Excited for the things that you guys are doing for patients, but clients in the healthcare space. So thanks again for taking the time to be with us. All the best, Sal. Thank you. Hey, Outcomes Rocket friends. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast once again. As a leader in healthcare, you have big ideas, great products, a story to tell, and are looking for ways to improve your reach and scale your business. However, there's one tiny problem. Healthcare is tough to navigate and the typical sales cycle is slow. That's why you should consider starting your own podcast as part of your sales and marketing strategy. At the Outcomes Rocket, I've been able to reach thousands of people every single month that I wouldn't have otherwise been able to reach if I had not started my podcast. Having this organic reach enables me to get the feedback necessary to create a podcast that delivers value that you are looking for. And the same thing goes if you start a podcast for what you could learn from your customers. The best thing about podcasting in healthcare is that we're currently at the ground level, meaning that the number of people in healthcare listening to podcasts is small but growing rapidly. I put together a free checklist for you to check out the steps on what it takes to create your own podcast. You could find that at outcomesrocket.health slash podcast. Check it out today and find a new way to leverage the sales, marketing, and outcomes of your business. That's outcomesrocket.health slash podcast.